Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. My wife and I have been married for 55 years. I think it's 55. We got married in a 1960 heures. 1962. Was a very good year. It was a good year. And uh, when I asked her to marry me, she only knew two words in English, yes and no. <laughs> and I asked her to marry me, and she says, oui, c'est pas problème. Uh, we had a few problems on the way, <laughs> but uh, you would really love my wife. Uh, Thankfully, she's not like me, because if she were like me, one of us would be dead by now. But she's an intercessor. She's very Swiss. She's like a Swiss watch. Every word is manicured. It fits. And it's powerful. And uh, I told people, you know, be married. Uh, 55 years, and I go to bed with a grandmother. <laughs> and we giggle more than we've ever giggled and laugh. We look at one another, <laughs> and we're waiting for the re- eagerly for the resurrection from the <laughs> dead. <laughs> but you know what's important in any relationship? That you have a sense of humor. Yeah. Life is really funny. And weird. Look at some of the people God made. <laughs> they are still under construction. <laughs> that's why when your eyes begin to fail, that's quite a benefit for some. <clears throat> but I, I'm really excited about what I sense happening in this church. And I'm not just saying this to be politically uh, precise. There's a, an enthusiasm for God here. There's something very special that happens when the church gathers together. And the enemy will do everything he can to separate us from what we're experiencing tonight. He tries to isolate us and sow seeds of doubt and unbelief and depression into our spirits. We need one another. We're not coming to a building. It's the family coming together. And when the family functions, warts and all, it grows together. When I went to Bradford, England years ago, it was a large Methodist church that had been built by John Wesley. It was a massive building. And maybe in the congregation there was about 150. They had four young people. And they always sat at the back, bored out of their good. <laughs> and I was, I was a young guy. I wasn't married at the time. After college, my wife went back to Switzerland for a year, which actually was good. I was able to focus on ministry And I must admit, I was handsome in those days. I had lovely hair and 
skin that shone in the dark and, uh, and every mother wanted their daughter to marry me. And of course, pride was never an issue of my life. And, 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 and what, what do you do with, with five young people? Every Friday night, we'd meet in the vestry room, as they called it, and we'd pray. Wait upon God, and together this young pastor grew with the youth group. And it grew to about 80, 85 young people, which by today's standards is not a lot of people, but in those days in England, that was a multitude. And we had an evening, Sunday evening service. It was uh, what we called it. And uh, we excluded the old folks because, of course, there was little opposition there. But it, it, in those days, you know, it was, it was valuing young people. At the end of two years before I moved to Cardiff, Wales, we had about, as I said, 85 young people. And five of those went into full-time ministry. And I wasn't a skilled preacher. I was still learning. But I tell you what I had. I had a profound love for Christ and a passion for the kingdom of God. And I loved to worship the Lord with my funny little ukulele. But I was from New Zealand. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm from, I'm from Wellington. It's really lovely. Boy, I crack a jack there. You don't know what it's like. That was, that was a joke, but it's all right. I'm just working at it all right. <laughs> But, you know, when we, we look at ourselves, what do I have to offer? I tell you what, there's nothing more attractive than someone that has a passion for Christ. There's that authentic uh, sparkle in their spirits. See, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he can give you just a few sentences but when those sentences are touched with the hand of the Lord, they have life in them. I love that scripture that says, don't say that you're a child. I'll put my words in your mouth. I'll give you wisdom. If you walk in my ways, the Lord says, I will direct your paths and I will head you in with my presence and I will protect you from the onslaughts of the enemy. But what the Lord requires of us is willing obedience to follow him. I left Auckland 1959 for England on a tourist ship. And all I had was $100 for my education, 33 pounds. And I made a covenant that if God had called me, that he would provide and I never asked a, a person for a penny because if God calls you, he provides in the way as we go. Yeah. Right. The disciples, early disciples, Jesus said, come on, get rid of everything, get rid of all this junk, clear out your garage, give to the poor, come follow me. It's in the way we discover God's provision. And where there's a lack, it, it creates within us a desire to press into God until we have an answer. There's a solution to our prayers. God honors pray, faith. And I remember saying goodbye to New Zealand. 
Do you know what we did? started on that boat? We started a ministry for children five days a week. We were on the ship for six weeks. We had a captive audience. We saw children give their hearts to Jesus. We started a prayer meeting in the Lutheran pastor's cabin. We had some brethren there that were, were kind of scandalized that, we, that the ladies actually had the audacity to pray in the presence of men, but they prayed anyway. And there, on the way to school, to learn the scriptures and how to expound them, there was opportunities of growth. And I'll never forget arriving in Southampton with all my suitcases. First time out of New Zealand. Like a farm boy coming to a large city and taking a train all the way from Southampton into Victoria Station. I didn't have a clue where the Bible school was. But there, made friends with someone on the, on the train who rented a taxi and I showed up in the middle of the night in this taxi with this young man that paid the bill. Isn't that amazing? And here I am, I'm standing in the front of this old ex uh, nunnery monastery. It was awesome. It, it was one of those scary movies that's dark and I expected if the door would open, it would creak open. And, and here I am, not a light on. And so I ring the bell and I can hear the, the sonorous sound of the bell vibrating through the building. Nothing. I rang it again. The taxi had left with my friend and I was standing here shrouded in darkness. It's a long way from home. And suddenly the top window was flung open and the tussled head of this buxom woman, older woman, she said, and who's down there this time of the night? I said, I'm David Reese Thomas from New Zealand. And what are you doing here this time of the evening? Well, I've come to college. All right, I'll be down in a jiffy. That was the beginning of a walk of faith that took me around the world. When you follow Christ, it's an adventure. Why? Because that adventure requires faith and trust. But the scripture says, blessed is the man who, or the woman who puts his trust in the Lord. He, she will never be disappointed. Do you ever talk to yourself? Well, I learned as an early age. I would always tell myself uh, stories. Even when I was four or five, I can remember telling myself stories. I was the cowboy. I was the Tom Mix of the day, and I would come. I would shoot up all the bad guys, and then fall asleep. That was a little aside. That's not part of my notes. But we all talk to ourselves, don't we? Yeah. And the psalmist, on one occasion, was overcome with depression, and he said, talking to himself, he took his soul out, and he says, "My soul, 
Why are you depressed? Why are you discouraged? Trust in God. We all walk through times of depression, don't we? The teenager goes to the room. The parents don't understand when he slams the door. There's feelings inside. Depression, discouragement. My soul, why are you depressed? Why are you cast down? And I, I want to just briefly look at the, the aspect of how do we deal with depression? We all experience it at times, don't we? You know, I'm sure there are some that seeing this wonderful young couple, they're in love and their eyes are twinkling and the ring is twinkling on the finger and, and they say, but Lord, I want to get married to I want somebody to slip a ring on my finger. Hello. And the boys are not quite into rings, but they, it's part of the package deal. We can be depressed because we long for a relationship and that relationship doesn't seem to happen. And we feel pushed to one side as though God has forgotten us. Those are real feelings. Or the, the man in the, in the mid-40s, 50s, that has tried so hard to survive and make ends meet. And somehow those jobs that he longed for when he was young has never come to fruition. And again, feels isolated. Seems as though God's abandoned, God's forgotten him. And he's overwhelmed with feelings of depression and loneliness. And what do men particularly do? They isolate themselves. They're surrounded by, by all kinds of feelings that jam them up and shrink their world. My soul, why? Are you cast down? And I like that scripture that says, put your hope in the Lord. You know, that was powerful tonight when we were talking about hope and, 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 and our faith. You see, we were looking beyond ourselves corporately and we are declaring in Christ, he is our hope. He is our God. He is our deliverer. This is strong stuff. It's not a neat little service. We are making a, a, a declaration that corporately we are being made strong. And that's the force of this group. Hear me. When you move in concert, when you move together, you can impact the city for God. You don't have to be weird, weird or wild. Be who you were created to be, motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've only just begun, church. Hear me. You've only just begun. The world doesn't need better programs, but it needs a revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ truly is, the Son of God, the Savior of mankind, the, the Redeemer, the Liberator, the one who sets captives free. And we have the good news. And if it's just contained here, it's not enough. It's as we go, we discover the provision of God. We experience the miracles of God. It's as we go, when we feel we have nothing, we have everything to give. Yeah. 
because there's power in the name of Christ. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to talk to ourselves. Don't call yourself an idiot. God didn't create an idiot. He created a, a son, a daughter that he wanted to walk with. He, he created a, a leader that had something to share a lost world walking and moving in the wisdom of God. But we need to see the, the, the ministry of encouragement released in the church. It's not positive thinking. How do we encourage ourselves in those times of discouragement? Well, Romans, for example, chapter 15, 1 to 4, uh, verse 5. The, number one, we had to encourage ourselves with the Scriptures. How many eat regularly? Two people. Amazing. We are strengthened based on what we eat. The Word of God encourages us. I've always loved the Scriptures. I have every Bible I've ever had since I got my first Thompson chain. And you look at all my Bibles, they're, they're dog-eared. They're marked with notes in the margin. I've based my, my life upon the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. I like a real Bible. And I'm not opposed to these little digital things, but I got old clumsy fingers and they don't seem to hit the right keys at the right time. And you get all kinds of false doctrine coming up that way. <laughs> but, but, but am I making sense here? We are to encourage ourselves with, with, with the Scriptures. Paul says, for everything was written in the past, was written to teach us that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. I have hope through the Scripture. You know one of my favorite Scriptures? You wouldn't believe it, but I struggled with a strong inferiority complex when I was a boy. I was an extrovert. And extroverts don't always do too well in Kiwiland. Yeah, who do you think you are? Boy, you're a real Scott. You're a real show off. I probably was. <laughs> and constantly being pushed down. And I remember grabbing hold of that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not some psychological mumbo jumbo. It's the fact that it's by the Spirit of God we receive strength from the Lord, strength from heaven so that we can slay giants and bears and stand in the strength of the Lord because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is not a psychological formula. This is the eternal Word of God. It's not how we start. Someone made that, that, yes, pastor made that statement. It's not how we start, but it's how we finish. And I want to finish well. Now, did, did you see the ministry of helps that suddenly manifest itself? I'm serious. 
You know, in the church, we need to take initiative. When we see a need, don't say, we need to call the deacons. No, get up and do it. Roll up your sleeves and do it. Take the initiative. Ooh, that was a good teaching point. It wasn't even in my notes here. And so through the scriptures, we have hope. The hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God is the one, Romans chapter 15. God says, I will encourage you. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. I love the presence of God. Sometimes you feel weak and limited, battling the criticisms of others, the put down. But God says, I'm gonna encourage you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Heaven's involved in your life and mine. Think of that. Heaven is involved in your life and mine. And then thirdly, there's the element of, element of personal encouragement. You know the story in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and David's out fighting and uh, he comes back to Ziglag and all the wives and the children of the soldiers have been taken into captivity. And the men wanted to stone David. It's amazing. That's one of the, the prices of being a leader. There'll be times when the people want to stone you because the loss is so overwhelming. What did David do? David encouraged himself in the Lord. When you feel weak and limited, encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, I, I've talked a little about my personal journey in, in recent years, my sickness facing the reality of death. And in those times of weakness, I found myself encouraging myself in the Lord. I said, Lord, if you want to take me home, I'm yours. You don't have to bargain with God. I'm your child. But God, I want to live. I want to live to encourage young men and young women. I want to encourage the elderly in the, our congregations that there's still hope that while you have breath, you have not only hope, but you have something to offer others. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What happened? The Lord gave victory. The wives and the children were turned to the soldiers. There's a price tag being a leader. And there'll be times that that's the only hope that you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And then one final scripture here. Oh, there's one Corinthians. I'll just leave this. I'm going to wrap it up. Daily encouragement. We are to daily encourage ourselves in the Lord. How do you speak to yourself? How do I speak to myself? We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. 
I've talked a lot about my son this weekend. He's still walking through some valleys, but he's had some radical breakthroughs this year. It's wonderful when you can talk to your son, your daughter about the things of God. When as a dad, you can be vulnerable and open. They know you know, they know your strengths and weaknesses. And when David was born, he was born with part of his esophagus missing. And um, after his birth, the, the, the nurses noticed that he was just regurgitating saliva. And the, the nurse called Dr. Overend and said, Doctor, he's a pediatrician. He said, the child, Thomas Child is not um, doing well. And this man was an Episcopalian, went to church, but he was not born again. And he said, x-ray the child. Do not give the child any liquid. And I'll look at the x-ray in the morning. And after he said that, he had a picture in his mind of David's esophagus. He saw it clearly. Next morning, when he looked at the x-ray, it was exactly as he had seen it. And um, David's chest had to be ex uh, cut up 50% of his chest. His right side was smaller than his left. And his right hand, it was partial, club bent in with the thumb and the whole thing. And, and, and God allowed him to live. It led a pediatrician to the Lord. The, the following Sunday, the Episcopal priest, a dear friend of mine, charismatic, spoke in tongues, worshipped the Lord and prophesied. That's wonderful when you get that element in the in Episcopal Anglican Church. And, at the end, and, and Father McGlynn said, we need to pray, pray for the Reese Thomas children. And Dr. Overend said, is that? Pastor Reese Thomas, yes. And he shared this remarkable experience. And he gave his heart to the Lord. He became a very, very strong Christian. But David, this is the point of the story. David struggled all through his childhood years and into those teenage years. Kids would ridicule him, call him crippled thumb and, and all other ancillary comments. And he was angry. He tried to talk to God, as I mentioned this morning, and God never seemed to talk to him. I could not reach my own son. Oh, certainly on certain superficial levels, but he'd go to his room and slam the door and, you know, there's nothing worse than a dad kicking in the door and, and forcing a relationship. What, what did I do? And it wasn't until years later, this is what he wrote. And, and he's an artist. And um, this is in three different languages. But... He wrote an article in called Smash My Face. He was so angry at God, he wanted his body, his face 
to be smashed beyond recognition. And this is what he wrote. The article is called Silence. I just want to smash my face and hurt myself to make the pain go and justify my existence. I need to punish myself to make the wrong go away. I hate to look at what I am and see that what I didn't like, I became. Hypocrisy, the worst crime for the soul of man and how much I have come to embrace it. Disconnect soul from mind and how simple life becomes. Get up, make your bed, eat breakfast, take a shower, get dressed, go to school, survive classes, avoid fights, take the bus home, sleep for hours, eat dinner, answer parents' questions, escape to room, go to sleep and pray to never wake up to see tomorrow. And then sometimes it would happen that I felt something good and I felt as if I understood that everything would be okay. I didn't know if I should tell anyone since I was the only one. I took that shotgun that my father had bought in a garage sale. I loaded it and stuck it in my mouth. I put my finger on the trigger and closed my eyes. A soft voice said, please don't. I will miss you if you do. Where you would go, I cannot come for you. I stopped. I had no idea that my son was walking through this steeper valley. God spoke in the silence. And my son was saved. Sometimes as parents, we don't know how to reach our children. We're either too permissive or too rigid, inflexible. But all I know is that my wife and I prayed for our son. My dear wife, she would weep before the Lord. We've watched his journey. It's been a difficult journey. But this year he had a breakthrough, a radical breakthrough. 45 years of age, it's never too late. God does not set a time frame sometimes upon our prayers, but it's persisting, continuing to cry out to God for our children. There are some mums and dads, you know exactly what I'm saying. I don't say this lightly, but you can, you can trust God with your children. He knows the way that you take. And when he's tested you, he'll bring you forth as pure gold. God's always in the process of refining us that we might be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some even this evening... Depression's a very real thing. 
It's not a figment of your imagination. It's real stuff. When people laugh at you and ridicule, God feels the pain of that ridicule. The Son of God was ridiculed upon the cross. He was dying for the sins of the world and they laughed at him. And hell will laugh at us because hell will see the potential that God has called us to move into. There's nothing more scathing than ridicule. But he said, I'll be with you. Encourage yourself in the Lord. There are young prophets of the Lord here. You love the Lord, don't you, son? I know you do. How old are you? Twelve. Yeah. Never underestimate what a child, a child, a young person is thinks at the age of twelve. My mind used to race when my parents were walking through horrendous stuff in their marriage. And as the eldest son, all I could do was cry out to God. God wants to make you strong. I really want to affirm and encourage you. I'm not here to embarrass, hear me. But just to encourage you. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Hey guys, we all struggle with, with our sense of uh, identity. I mentioned it Saturday, sexuality. Come on, sex is a part of life. At least the world seems to think so. It's a real thing. God loves us in spite of the fact we might have sexual struggles. He says, I can give you the ability to overcome. He put that driving force within us. There's God's way and there's man's way. You hear in the Spirit of the Lord tonight just encouraging you, encouraging you. See, there's a beauty. There's a beauty in you, my dear. Hear my heart. He says, I'll beautify the meek with my salvation. Here come on my, come Holy Spirit. Gently and lovingly embrace this dear young woman, Lord. Can I just gently hug you as a dad, okay? Bring you a healing life, oh Father. We pray that the memories that stalk and try to destroy be eradicated and that you'll continue to beautify your servant with your gift of salvation and deliverance. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You sense his love. He loves you. He loves you. Behold what manner of love the Father has laid upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Jesus' name. Bring healing, Lord. Amen. God bless you. Look at me. Does that mean something to you? I know it does. God bless. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. 
He knows what we have need of. And there's some older saints here. You got to let go of your past. Let it go. You got to let it go. God has divine amnesia. When you confess your sin, forsake it. He casts those sins behind his back, never to remember them anymore. And when we bring them back to the Lord, the Lord says, I don't remember that. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. God bless you. I'm just asking the Lord what we should do. All I know is that the Lord's ministering healing, bringing help. Lord, Holy Spirit of the Lord, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. There are prophetesses in this room. See, when we prophesy, God wants the word to be clear, unambiguous, simple, but touching the heart and the mind. Don't be held back from moving in God. It's as we go, we're healed. Remember, it's as we go, we're healed. As we stand up, as, as we, we, we pull ourselves up from being lame, that the life of Christ flows through us. That's true emotionally. Stop blaming yourself. Does that make sense? God, yes it does. Hallelujah. Oh, he's our father. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And the world needs to hear that message. We're healed for what reason? To declare the good news, not weirdness. I keep saying that a lot because I've met a lot of weird Christians in my life. <laughs> you know, that weird is not a sign compatible with spirituality. Hallelujah. How many are saying, Pastor, I'm, I really struggle with depression? Let's all stand together, shall we? I'm going to ask that if you struggling with depression or whatever just come and stand at the front I'm not going to embarrass you just come and stand at the front I just I need ministry the master's in the house the master's in the house that's right thank you just face the front just come a little forward so okay and I want some of the leaders to come behind are those, yes, there we are. That's fine. Isn't it wonderful to know that you're not the only one walking through depression or discouragement? God bless you. I mean that with all of my heart. Never stop being a radical for God. Hear me. Boy, you've walked through the fire. You've done rejection. The Lord said, I have not rejected you. I have not rejected you. Thank you, Father, for ministering your life by your Spirit. Let's pray this prayer together uh, corporately out loud. Lord Jesus. Now let's declare it. Lord Jesus, I believe 
that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin. You were buried, and on the third day rose again, that I might live forever. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. And I accept your forgiveness. Free me from depression, from a spirit of, uh, that, of an orphan, that I might be free to worship you, to serve you, and to be graced and to be graced by your love in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let depression go. In the name of Jesus Christ, we stand against depression. He has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and of a sound mind. He has not given you the spirit of fear, but of peace, grace, and a sound mind. He's not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of, of grace and peace and a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No longer, no longer held captive by, by feelings of depression. In Jesus' name, let the shadows go. Let the life of Christ flow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God, for the glory of God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you.